0: Hello, Stevens Point. Welcome back to Retrospective of Rooney, a Live and Maddie podcast hosted by me, Amanda Shake, arguably one of the biggest Live and Maddie fans out there. And we are looking back on the show, talking about it, and having some special guests from the cast and crew of the show. We have our first one today, so be patient. We'll be getting to that in a second. But first of all, we are going to uh, talk about our segment called. I think we should, I think we should call it TWILAMHA uh, this week in Live in Maddie history because that's, that's what the, that's what the acronym is and it, it's just so catchy, is it not? So remember how last time I said we wouldn't always have that segment because there are some weeks where nothing happens in Live in Maddie history? Well, last episode we did have that segment and guess what? We have it again right now. Uh, is Maddie excited? I just heard a squeak. It was probably Maddie because Liv doesn't talk that much. I don't even know where she is. Where did that squeak come from? I I think I see one of them. them. I think that's Liv, though. That's usually where she lays. I don't know. But she's excited, so that means you should be excited, too. So here's the thing. September, Live and Maddie's... I'm pretty sure every season of Live and Maddie premiered in September. I'm just... I'm looking at what I wrote down, and I don't have all the season premieres written down. That's because they didn't all premiere in this week, but they did... Let me think of it. Yeah, all four of them premiered in September, and two of them premiered in this week. So on September 15th of 2013, Team Aruni premiered, and technically that was the official series premiere because the first episode had kind of had its preview after Teen Beach Movie in July. And that was on a Friday night. And then the regular night would be Sunday. So, so the next episode w- was on a Sunday. And that's when it started regularly airing. And some Disney accounts were posting about the anniversary of it on that day a couple days ago. So, but I think they also posted it in July. I know they did last year at least. But I'm pretty sure they did this year too. So like Live and Maddie kind of has multiple anniversaries. It's not the only show that does, because a lot of shows have, have that situation of a preview episode and a later episode. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of shows' anniversaries. Like, I, one of my other favorite shows is Darkwing Duck, and I honestly don't know when to celebrate its anniversary, because, like, four times a year, they'll be like, happy anniversary to Darkwing Duck. I'm like, when is it? Like, Live and Maddie, I know it's July 19th and September 15th. That's pretty, pretty set. Uh, but I totally remember watching the episode premiere. Sunday night, in school the next day, went to the Disney store the next day to get the new Frozen merchandise that just released. Man, this seems like eons ago, does it not? And then, two years later, September 13th, 2015, was the season three premiere. And that was two episodes Back to Back. We had Continued Rooney and Voltage Rooney. And, of course, we already talked about the, well, I mean, of course, we talked about the, the finale, Rooney, because last, last episode was all about finales. And this, of course, was the continuation And it's funny, I looked at the dates, and it was only about three weeks after Chamberooni had aired. But it felt like a millennium, and that's probably because they left us hanging so bad. And you know, I also started college, but who cares about that? But man, I could have sworn there was more time in between, because it genuinely felt so long. But as far as personal stories with this episode premiere, I don't really remember as much about Team Rooney. I do know I watched it, and I know I was going to get the Frozen merch at the Disney store the next day, and I was really excited about that. But as far as the season three premiere, I remember this really well. So, I had... Again, I was a freshman in college. I was just two weeks, like, almost barely two weeks into school. And I had to do this, this, like, training program for a video editing system that I had to learn how to use because I was in film school. And I... I I feel like I jinx myself a lot in life. I think, like, it would be really bad if X thing happens and then X thing happens. And usually it's my fault. Like, I kind of unconsciously contribute to this thing happening. So I kept saying that... And I also had this thing. I talked about how I often stress myself more than I need to over homework. I have this thing where I feel like if I get done with my homework, and thank God I'm not in school anymore, but in the past, if I get done with my homework in time to do something I want to do, it's not because I actually deserve it, it's because I, I had to have rushed. Like there's no way I couldn't have rushed. So I was afraid that I could have watched this at the East Coast showing or the West Coast showing. If I remember correctly, my TV had the East Coast so it was three hours early. And then on my computer, where I was logged in on my family's cable account, I could watch the West Coast showing. So I thought, if I'm ready in time for the East Coast showing, then I'm going to feel guilty about it. I'm going to feel like I rushed through whatever I was doing. But I tried to get done ahead of time. So I tried to... I'm pretty sure I tried to do the training thing the night before, and I was going to try to do it on my computer. They said we could do it at the film school's computers, but I was able to do it on my computer as far as I thought. So... I tried to download the program, the program's called Avid, and it said I had to update my computer. So I updated my computer, which took multiple hours, and then it did, and lo and behold, my update not only invalidated my old editing program, so I could no longer open any of my old video files, like great, Uh, but then Avid still didn't work, so that was a complete waste. And by it was late Saturday night at this point, so my only option was to go to the film school the next day. And I had a feeling I was not going to get there in time to catch the East Coast Haring. And I didn't. And guess what? Fun fact. I did not use AVID ever again. I used it for this training program, and then I never used it again. Because we didn't have to. We just we had to be signed off on the program, but we weren't required to use it. So so I went over to the film school. In the back of my mind, being like, oh, I need to watch the student premiere. And I kept posting, like, please don't spoil me. People send me fake spoilers that I knew were fake. They weren't like actually messing with me, but I'm like, haha, very funny. But then I, if you're a Chapman kid out there, you know Bruxy is the best. And just a side note, Bruxy has not even been open for takeout since quarantine, and that makes me really sad. Uh, but Bruxy, Bruxy is the best, right smack between the film school and the dorms and main campus. So I went over to Bruxy, I got myself some Irish waffle fries. Because I hadn't tried those yet. They weren't even that good. They were okay, but I didn't really like the, the sauce on them. Like, the fries and, like, the fried chicken were good, but I didn't like the sauce. Anyway, you don't care about this. You care about the, the show. So I brought those back to my dorm room, sent them down next to my computer. And I have, like, a picture I, I took of this and posted. And I said, all right, season three time, baby. And it, oh, it, uh, those episodes, I was like hype that night I was up so late because I think I rewatched them later and I was just not ready to go to school in the next day I was just hype my goodness oh uh because we we found out what happened with Maddie and Diggy and then Voltage Rooney was an awesome episode too I Voltage Rooney is probably one of my favorite episodes of that season because it's such a sweet episode between Liv and Maddie, which, as I've already said, twin fluff, twin interaction, as I used to call it. (laughs) How much twin interaction do we get in this episode? And we got a lot in that episode. It was super sweet, and I loved it. And, of course, we set up Liv's Liv's new show, which we discovered and continued Rooney, and it was great. So, five-year anniversary of those good old episodes this week. So, today, we have our very first guest, and what a special guest we have with us. We would not have the Livin' Maddie we know and love today if it weren't for her, as she was an executive producer of the show alongside creators John and Ron, From It's Beginning to It's End. In addition, she even wrote two episodes, choose a Rooney" and stand up a Rooney." And there are plenty of subtle nods to her in the show, such as Lacey's last name and a slate in the twins' room with her name on it. We are so happy to have her with us today, so please welcome Betsy Sullinger. Yay,
1: I'm so excited to be here. I think you missed one. I think you missed one of the Easter eggs, though. So. Oh,
0: uh, well the producers of bits and pieces right betsy and Dunwa.
1: yeah, yeah. Am I still oh yes yes there you go yes the, and that and, and uh, dub's mom bonnie
0: right and tenzing's dad
1: and tenzing's dad
0: that's yep. right well thank yeah. you so much for joining us this is so exciting and I'm,
1: you're doing this
0: well thank you so much well let's jump right in so tell us about how you first got involved with the show what it was like beginning when you were first discovering these characters in this world, especially given that the pilot was an entirely different plot and things changed from there to the show that we know today. So tell us how that got started.
1: So um, uh, my partner, who was also an EP on the show, his name is Andy Fickman, and Andy directed the entire first season. And then in between um, his feature film directing gigs, he came in and directed several other episodes throughout seasons as well. Um, but Andy and I had um, a deal through our company, Oops Donuts, we had um, a deal at Disney, Disney kind of proper, to um, produce theatrical uh, uh, films. And uh, and part of that was about getting to know everybody at Disney Channel. And we had lunch one day, uh, this was years ago, we had lunch one day uh, with Adam Bonnett, who, um, who I know him. Okay. He ran development, basically.
0: Mm -hmm. uh, I got to interview with him for school one time.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's great. Um, So, you know, Adam, and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, he was the guy who kind of oversaw development. And Andy and I had lunch with him one day, and he said, would love to do something with you guys. And we said, what are you looking for? And he said, well, we really need an animal show. And so Andy and I pitched him something that was sort of inspired by my sister, who's a veterinarian and some of the stories that she had told. Um, But it was basically mom and dad are veterinarians and the kids work at the clinic. And he said, great. And we talked about who should write it. And he said, you know, we have these guys, Ron Hart and John Beck, who have been working on some of our other shows why don't you find them? And we said, we don't know them, but we will find them. And we did, and we sat down with them and we said something that like never happens in Hollywood. We said, okay, we know that you don't know us, but we just sold a show to Disney Channel and we want you to write it. All you have to do is say yes. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to go sell it. You don't have to do anything. And they were like, "Uh, okay, yeah, we'll do it. So it took the lawyers a whole year to make everybody's deals. By the time we got through with that year, they no longer needed an animal show because they had Dog with a Blog and they had the iguana and Jesse. And so I was like, yes. So Adam said, I think we're good with animals. What else you got? They already had deals with us at this point. So we spent the next several months throwing out concepts to them And finally, after several months, at least six months, maybe eight months, um, Ron and John had this really great idea, which was um, let's take the funniest and most interesting bits and pieces from a week in a family's life. And instead of doing a regular linear story like we're so used to, uh, not only in one hour, but half hour, um, we'll just do, you'll basically you'll see the highlights of a given week and through that you'll understand what happened in the week of this family. Um, with the idea too, that you basically end up with fun kind of two minute segments in, in a world where, um, you know, everybody's on social media, it would be an easily easily digestible bite size thing to share on social media. So, um, uh, so we said you know let's do that and um we created a pilot that was kind of inspired by the brady bunch in that um over the summer mom and dad had gotten married and they each had a son and a daughter and their families had blended and they were kind of trying to figure out kind of like the brady bunch how do we take all of these kids and this whole family and make it one and the pilot was the first week of school and mom and dad both worked at school. Um, And it was our whole cast uh, with the exception of, we had um, the the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Cozy Zulsdorf who, so you had um, Dove playing a character named Alana, and you had Cozy playing her sister Crystal. And then we had our two boys, the rest of the cast is everybody you know, it was just Cozy was in there. and we made that pilot and after we you know you make the pilot and then you test it it's a whole process and ultimately we weren't high concept enough for what they needed and so gary marsh the head of disney channel sat down with us and said i really love what you did i really love the cast um i grew up with a show called the patty duke show and I've never found an actor who I thought could really pull off playing twins. But you guys found this girl, Dove Cameron, and I think she's the real deal. And I think she can play twins. So, now mind you, by the time we had this meeting with him, we were two years in. It had been two years earlier that Andy and I had lunch with Adam. So it is two years later, right? And we sit down and this is like around the end of August. And he says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the family that you have and I want you to create the Patty Duke show. And um, you should have identical twins. Um, I think Dove should play them and figure it out. And oh, um, I need to decide if I'm gonna make this or not uh, right after Thanksgiving. Mm. Suddenly, we basically had around two to three months after two years to take a cast that already exists to fit them into an entirely new world and to create a script that is good enough that they say yes to that is nearly impossible to do it's really hard and especially after two years and we had all fallen in love with bits and pieces on all of our characters. Um, But um, Ron and John especially just, they rose to the occasion in really difficult circumstances. And uh, we knew that we wanted to have a musical component. So we knew that one of our twins would um, be an actress and a singer. And we knew that one of them would play a sport. And that's all we knew. So as Ron and John were off writing, um, we started working with Dove and we had to go to Dove who basically hadn't done anything. Our casting director found her at what was essentially a Glee Club performance at Burbank High School. It is almost impossible to find a kid actor that Disney Channel doesn't already know. They know kids, everywhere, not only LA, they know them in every major city and they follow them. They follow their progress. So to bring somebody unknown into Disney Channel and somebody who is as special as Dove was like, they literally looked at us like, who is this girl? Where did you find her? And the answer was Burbank High School. Um, it was just a crazy story. So Dove hadn't done very much. So, we had to go to her because we didn't have very much time, and we had to say, Okay, here's the deal. You're no longer playing Alana. Alana doesn't exist anymore. Now you're going to play identical twins. We know that one of them is an actress singer, so you'll be able to sing, and we know that one of them plays a sport. We have no idea what sport it is yet. We'll figure it out. But in the meantime, with that information, which is like almost nothing, we needed Dove to start creating a character, not a character, two characters. And so she really started, she started journaling to figure out, and at the time, the names were Liv and Heidi, Hmm. uh, which eventually became Liv and Maddie. So she started journaling and she had, you know, separate entries for each girl. And she really started working through um, things like, um, if I know that one is in a sport and I know that one is an actress, what do I know about them? How does this inform me?" And she created, you know, Liv always sits up straight, you know, she's very well-trained, she's very put together, she goes on auditions a lot. Liv has a higher register voice, it's kind of sing-songy. Um, she came up with the notion that, you know, when Liv gets, uh, when Liv gets nervous, it's, you know, she does the <laughs> But, it, but it's like very lyrical. Everything about yeah. Liv is very lyrical and very put together. And Maddie, you know, Maddie slumps when she sits. Maddie's like, bruh. Maddie, you know, everything about her, she always wears the ponytail. Um, she came up with Bam What. Uh, so as Ron and John were writing the script, Dove really was creating these two characters. She created, um, uh, music lists for them like Spotify lists and she figured out what songs would live love and what songs would Maddie love and so when we changed her um, sometimes you know we would do twin scenes and she would she might start with lit with live say um, and then we would finish out the live stuff and then she'd have to erase to go change into Maddie and while she would do that she would put in her earphones and she would listen to Maddie's playlist and that was part of how she was able to make the transition from one character to another. I mean, she just, she was so brilliant at it. Um, but she really built those characters as Ron and John were also building those characters. It was pretty incredible. Um, and so it was a true roller coaster ride, but eventually I think right before Christmas of that year, they pulled the trigger and said they would do the show. And um, we start, We didn't have to do another pilot. We went straight to series and we started filming like early spring. And I think we were our first episode, we did like a sneak, I think, with one of their movies over the summer, but it happened really quick. And that was after just two grueling
0: years.
1: Um, and it was a tough process. Um, it was a true roller coaster ride. Um, uh, I don't think there are a lot of shows that are up and running today that were based on an entirely different pilot. Uh, but that was us. And we just really put together such a beautiful cast, um, the loveliest people. And I think from day one, really, we were a family.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Live and Heidi. Now I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. <laughs> it
1: doesn't ring the same way that Live and Maddie does. Not
0: quite, yeah. <laughs> so, as this was a family oriented show, were there any shows that you watched growing up that you drew inspiration from? Well, The Brady Bunch for sure. Right. Um, uh, you know, I grew up with The Partridge
1: Family, and, um, you know, both of those songs had musical elements to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I watched when I was a kid, I watched old shows too. Like I loved My Three Sons, which is like a black and white show. Um, I have older sisters. And so often I would just watch whatever they were watching, but definitely, especially for our pilot, it really was kind of inspired by the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved any show that had musical elements. I, I was so down for that.
0: Yeah. And it's cool that you mentioned uh, the Patty Duke show, because I remember when the show started hearing about how it drew inspiration from that. And actually, when I was 12, I think I saw Patty Duke in Wicked the first time I saw it. And we got to meet yeah. her. Mm-hmm. And she was so sweet. And I remember hearing that a few years later. I'm like, oh, that's so cool, because like, I've met her and stuff. And then when I heard she was going to be on the show, that was even more exciting. So that was such a yeah, it was episode.
1: It was, it was our wish list from day one. We had always said, once we were doing the Patty Duke show, it was, we gotta get Patty Duke to play the Mm -hmm. grandmother. Um, Ron and John were so smart about how it was written. There are so many fun Easter eggs. If you know the Patty Duke show at all, um, there are plenty of Patty Duke Easter eggs in there, but it was so much fun to have her on set with us because, nobody had done this in 50 years. And even when the Patty Duke show was made, it was a single camera show. So we were the first show. And by the way, like that was a whole other thing that I didn't get into. But when Gary Marsh said to us, I want to do the Patty Duke show. Do you think you can do it in multicam? And we were like, I mean the answer in Hollywood, the answer is always yes. If somebody is giving you an opportunity to do something, the answer is always yes. And then you figure out how to do it. But our hunch was you get body doubles who could also act um, because especially because Dove is a young actor and you want to make sure that she has somebody to work off of for the funny scenes for the emotional scenes that it's not you know we could have done green screen um but green screen is just it's hard and it's hard to to put that in every single episode um so we thought we probably need body doubles who can actually act and then it probably plays off of wigs if we get like really great wigs you can probably do everything you need there. And those were our assumptions. And that ended up being what we did. Um, we we uh, auditioned a lot of young actresses who were kind of the same height and weight and coloring as Dove, and we ended up with Shelby and Emmy. Um, and each of them were a member of our regular cast. We had Liv, too, and Maddie, too, and they were I mean, every bit as part of our cast, as Joey and Tenzing and everybody else. Um, we couldn't have made the show without Emmy and Shelby. Um, uh, so that, but that was a multicam setting and it had never really been done before. Uh, and we, we did figure it out actually pretty quickly. And when Patty came to our set, she kind of watched us. And she said, I got to tell you, you haven't done it that much differently than what we did 50 years ago. The only difference is they didn't give me an actress. They only gave me a body double. So they gave the body double a not so great wig. (laughs) And I had to just work off of a human body, but not somebody who was giving me anything really. And so she as an actress really appreciated having Shelby and Emmy there and what they contributed to our show and to Dub's performance. Um, So in as much as we were doing the same thing 50 years later, the technology was really pretty much the same. And we went out of our way not to use technology any more than we had to. We just, um, we created those scenes and we always put a, a thin line of tape down in Video Village on our monitors and Dove and Shelby and Emmy knew where that line was in performance that they couldn't cross. Mm -hmm. And then there were things like, you know, they weren't allowed to touch one another. Um, Eventually, we got braver as we went along and we could do the hugs off of somebody's back. So now I watch all of those episodes and I always know, oh, that's Shelby, that's Emmy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we got brave. We got pretty clever with it. But mostly the show was made in editorial. And it was really interesting when we first started. Um, there was the question of, do we tell our audience what we're doing? Uh, and it was a, it was big discussion actually. And the feeling was, let's, let's just do it the Patty Duke show. Like, it's 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 the Patty Duke show, and you don't talk about Patty Duke necessarily. She just plays. I, identical cousins, which that's the whole thing. I don't understand <laughs> that. But um, uh, so we decided not to tell anybody. I kind of, I assumed that clever viewers would look at our opening titles and realize <laughs> that there was only one girl named there. Um, and then there became a concern, once we didn't tell them for a while, there became a concern of, is our audience going to get mad at us once they discover? Or are they going to feel like we tricked them? And we noticed at audience shows that first audiences were like, wait, what? This is incredible. Are you kidding me? And, but they loved it. They had so much fun and they loved getting to see how it happened. They loved getting to yeah. see Shelby and Emmy and how those scenes were put together. And so after a season or so, we finally did like, Um, a sort of an interstitial where we did the behind the scenes of and it was Dove and Shelby and Emmy showing Here's who we are and here's how we do it And we did find that the audiences really loved it But for a little while we were a little concerned that you know, Mm -hmm. are they gonna be mad at us?
0: (laughs) Well, I I went to five live tapings and there was only one of them most of them Dove was only playing one twin she'd already shot out the other twin but when I went to sort of Sisters of I kind of got to see, in when the final scene, I got to see her switch out as the twins and that was really cool. And when I tell people that I've been to taping, so I was like, how do they do it? How did they do the <laughs> twin thing? And so you bring up the interstitial, I'm like, just watch this video, it explains it.
1: Yeah, because we had a lot of people who were asking us once the word was out and we just realized like audiences were loving it so much that we thought let's just bring everybody in, the entire audience from all around the world, let's show them what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, it just, yeah, it was, it was fun and special and we got it down, we really got it down to a science. Sometimes with new directors, um, you would kind of have to walk them through the process, uh, but it really wasn't that complicated. And Dove just became a total rock star at doing the changeover. Um, and I, I was just always in awe of her because you know, you have to keep in mind that this was a girl who hadn't done very much. And in every single episode, because we had twins in pretty much every episode, um, in every single episode, she had to know two sets of lines and two sets of blocking. And she had to, like, it was just crazy. Like she had to remember all the mannerisms because Shelby and Emmy had to mimic what she was doing in rehearsal. So they built those performances in rehearsal, but they had to remember, here's when I do this, or if Dove decided she was gonna do this, you know, she was gonna like, you know, hit her hit her forehead. She had to always do that because then Shelby or Emmy had to do the same thing. and. It was just incredible to me that she always was able to remember that and you never waited on dove to get it right she just man she's just a rock star
0: well she won the emmy for a reason she really did i mean i i
1: wasn't i i didn't really think we stood a chance at that to be honest with you not because she wasn't deserving of it but because i just I don't know, I wasn't sure that they would give it to a Disney Channel show. And I was so thrilled when she got it because it is so easy to underestimate the amount of work that went into four seasons of that. And then we put in musical numbers. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of work for her and she was incredible.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget, I was at Disneyland in line for It's a Small World and my phone starts blowing up and I'm like, what's happened? And I'm like, wait she won. And I'm like screaming at my friends and like half of them had never watched the show. They're like, who is she talking about? I mean, within, within a few times of hanging out with me, wh- whoever I hang out with, they, they start to find out what Live and Maddie is because eventually I will start talking about it. So I'm just kind of losing my mind in line for it's a small world. I'm like on my social media, like I'll post something later. <laughs> I
1: love that. I love that you were so invested in it.
0: Oh yeah. As a fan, that was so exciting and validating for me. That was amazing. Um, so- and talking about when, when the audience, uh, when, we, when you weren't sure of what they would think of the twins and stuff, I've heard Dove saying how a lot of people have said that Maddie's just a hologram.
1: <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> Dove's life would have been a lot easier had Maddie just been a hologram. Yes. Uh, no, she, she brought it twice I mean, you know, it was just incredible. Again, she had to she had to do everything twice in every single episode. It's just incredible to me. We were well, so lucky to have found her.
0: Yeah. She's just incredible. And Shelby and Emmy are the really the unsung heroes of the show.
1: Shelby and Emmy, yes, absolutely they are the unsung heroes. I mean, they they're both terrific actresses, but there were so many times when we would do something um, really emotional, and mm-hmm. uh, man, they got Dove to where she needed to be as an actress, and I was so glad when we did Linda and Heather that we were Me able too. to, always trying to figure out, like, where can we put, and we did them in the Froyo Yolo, Froyo mm-hmm. Yolo, um, uh, Ron Hart's Masterpiece, <laughs> Uh, We put them in that, and that was like a fun little Easter egg. But we always wanted to give them roles because we always saw every single week how great they were as actresses, and we wanted everybody else to be able to see it. And so it was so fun after all the years of talking about Linda and Heather and building up that show and those characters for the two of them to do it. It was perfect.
0: Oh, yeah. And as a fan, especially as a fan who knew who Emmy and Shelby were along the way. That was so exciting. And because I'd, I'd met them and I know them and I was like so happy for them when that episode came out.
1: It was nice to have them in the spotlight. And it was fun for the three of them to all three get to work together. At I bet. One. They never got to. It was always dove with one of them. And so it was, it was a lot of fun for the yes. to uh, to get to do something together.
0: I, I was at that live taping too, but I missed most of the actual Linda and Heather scenes because I went up to go to the restroom and I came back in and right as I'm about to come back in, the light goes on. So I just stood out there for like 20 minutes and I came oh, in no. and my friend is like, you just missed everything. I'm like, I'm sorry. I I wanted to make sure I looked nice for the meet and greet. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it was it was still awesome what I did get I to I hope see.
1: you have good pictures from it anyway.
0: I do. I. I mean, some of my selfies are a little blurry because I was so excited. But I, I. have a lot of great pictures from the meet and greets, and uh, I have a my my prized possession. Besides, of course, with the cast is my picture with Polly the porcupine from my first taping. <laughs> I think all along the way
1: got pictures with Polly the porcupine and the um, the uh, brain Olympics that we did, where they shoot yes. the and it becomes Polly. Mm-hmm. um i am the proud owner of that
0: i've seen yeah. your pictures of that
1: yeah it's that's massive awesome. it's gigantic
0: that's awesome well yeah because at the first taping i went to i only went to one in season three because i was right around when i moved to california i the signing table was in the ridgewood high set so if you can if we recall uh arty in I think Mom Zaruni when he said, I'm going to get a picture in every room of this house. That was me and Ridgewood. High. like take pictures of me every single place. I'm on the stairs. I'm by the locker. I'm by Polly. So like my picture with Polly is my icon on like every social media.
1: Oh, I love that. And by the way, I think I probably have all those same pictures, too.
0: Nice. I was looking back at one of my pictures by the lockers. It was just in line um, while I was waiting to do the meet and greet and i saw i looked at the numbers on the lockers and i realized one of them was the haunted locker from bff from the reunion i'm like perfect (laughs) Uh, so moving on to the episodes that you wrote so the first episode you wrote was uh choose a rooney so can you tell us what that experience was like especially after having been with the show for almost three seasons at that point
1: um boy both of those episodes were so special to me. And I have to credit Ron and John. Um, I, you know, I started when I first moved to LA, I started in half hour television and my first job was working for um, one of the great comedy writers in half hour television. And, so I, and I had been a writer's assistant in, in a comedy room. And so I cut my teeth in this world and then I went off to work in features And then suddenly, many years later, I ended up back on a multicam set, which was kind of full circle and really fun for me. And Ron and John came to me, season one, and they said, kind of casually, like, we think you should write an episode. And at this point, I had been in a foxhole with them for a couple of years. We knew each other very, very well. And they had gotten many, many notes from me. Uh, So we knew each other pretty well and they said um we think you should write and um i said i appreciate that i'm sure there are plenty of other great writers in this world who could use the job and you should hire them and they did and then they came back to me season two and said okay we think it's time for you to write now and i said the same thing i think there are probably good writers who would love to have the opportunity and so they came back to me season through and they sat down very seriously in my office and they said so here's the deal we have gone to all of the writers that we know and we have had them all write for us it is now time for you to write and um And I hadn't written Multicam before, but I knew these characters in this world so well. And my job for a couple of decades now has been um, working with writers and helping to develop worlds and characters and stories with them. And there's a certain amount, I think, you pick up from osmosis. So uh, we decided on the wedding episode. uh, And... Uh, it was, it was so fun. It didn't, it wasn't until like later on, I think that they decided to make it an interactive, like that was the only interactive episode that we ever did. Um, but I had so much fun planning the wedding. And I remember, um, planning, planning the cake. I really had this very specific idea of what I wanted the cake to be. And it needed to be weather themed. Of course. (laughs) It was Johnny. Um, uh, but it was, it was so much fun writing that episode and, um, uh, and then, you know, after you turn in the draft, you get to just, you spend the week in the room with the writers and every day you're tearing it apart and putting it back together again. And we just had the best writers, man, that team, I would, I would put our writers up against any family show out there. Um, they were just fantastic. And every day they made that script better and better and better. And so what made it to screen started with me, but it was very much a, a group effort. And I'm so appreciative to all of them. Um, but it was, you know, it was very much a, a Josher Diggy episode. Mm-hmm um uh, it was team team mosh or team miggy uh and i think we had the hashtags going mm-hmm. um but it was it was really fun to do that episode and then we had talked you know when joey came to us you know he hadn't done a lot he really his success had been as a stand-up comedian and he had opened for tim allen and dane cook and some big stand-up comedians and he was he was like 13 14 when he was doing this stuff um so by the time we got him i think he was around 15 and his final audition um just because i think he had been out of town and it was the way everything worked out his final audition was like a half an hour before our table read for the bits and pieces pilot. So, for that pilot, every Disney department head had come in for it. All of the casting people. I mean, it was a conference room full of all of the muckety mucks from Disney Channel. And here is this 15 year old kid who has not done a lot. And the head of Disney Channel says, Hey, I hear you're a stand up comedian. Do something. Well, I mean, can you imagine if you haven't prepared that you, you just all of a sudden have to do stand up comedy in front of a bunch of really scary looking people at the other side of the table? And he did this whole bit, I think, on his grandmother, and it was hysterical. But that was the moment that he got the gig. And so when we first got to know Joey, we got to know him through a stand up comedy. And every single season, we banged the drum to Disney on, we really want to do Joey as a stand-up comedian. Please, can we do that episode? Please, can we make this part of who he is? And they finally approved it in the final season. And I might've had the biggest mouth about it um, because I tended to have the biggest mouth about certain things. And uh, so when Disney finally said, okay, you can do the stand-up comedy episode, Ron and John came to me and said, we think there's only one person who can write this episode. <laughs> um, awesome. so it was so much fun after so many years of wanting to do that, to get to do that episode. Although Joey wrote his own stand-up, I just right, put I've the plate over it. Um, and then the other thing that I loved, loved, loved doing in that episode was I loved showing a different side of tensing. Mm-hmm. Because Every single episode, when we first met Tenzing, he was maybe eight. He was very young. And man, like every episode, he hit it out of the park. He, I always said Tenzing's our MVP. No disrespect to anybody else, especially Dove, who had to come up with two sets of lines and two sets of blocking every episode. But man, you put Parker in, an, in any scene and just bam over the fence, like he just nailed it. He was fantastic. And I wasn't sure anybody ever truly got how magical Tenzing was because you see the finished product, but what you saw in the finished product was pretty much what you got at the table read from Tenzing. He was just that good always. And if we needed a laugh somewhere, you always knew that you could just go to Parker and give it to him and he would nail it. And so over the course of these years, you know, Tenzing became a teenager and Tenzing became old enough to start noticing girls and maybe I might be interested in one of them. And so I got to write Tenzing's like first date. And it was a dance. And um, uh, we called him, you know, Team Pal with Val and and Parker and Chloe East, who was just the perfect counterpart to him and so wonderful. And he did this stuff with, um, he had like a really kind of emotional scene with Dove. Mm -hmm. And it was Parker and Liv talking about, you know, he's old enough now to date and she's giving him dating advice and, we knew that this was our last season and so anytime you've got an emotional episode it was a little extra emotional but nobody had really emotional episodes with parker because Mm -hmm. we didn't do a lot of emotion parker was our boy humor um so this was the episode where we got to do emotional and man, and especially anytime Dove was part of the emotional element, the waterworks were always because they started with Dove, and then they just ended up all over the set. (laughs) And um, so I think, again, it was a collective script effort. And I think we wrote some really beautiful stuff for them. But it was so important for us to have a special moment between Dove and Tenzing, because it really hadn't existed in any of the prior three seasons. So as much as I loved getting to, to write Joey for the first time as a stand up comedian, um, it, it really was so special to get to do the softer side of Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that's, um, that's, one of my favorite episodes because of Tenzing stuff and because I just thought he was just so good at it. He was so good. I miss him. I'm getting emotional as I talk.
0: You're making making me me emotional just thinking about this.
1: (laughs) I miss all of them. I mean, I think especially for the kids, it was their first time to be part of a series like that. Yeah, And you don't always appreciate it when it's your first time. But I had been part of a couple of series before then, and I knew how special it was. I knew the family that we had created. And, um, and it was hard to leave them, but we remain close. We did a Live in Maddie Zoom over the summer.
0: You did.
1: Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> We did, and um, we're always in touch with one another, and um, it's so interesting, like, when I'm on social media, to see, you know, Joey and Jess, and, you know, they all became best friends with one another, Uh and they all remain so close to one another, and so this family that we had on set, I feel like Liv and Maddie will never die because the family that we created on set carries on to this day. And we will all always remain close with one another. Um, But I just miss seeing
0: everybody every day. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, going back to that episode, you're talking about Liv and Parker. I loved, yeah, I loved that there was that scene between the two of them, especially because, and same with that episode with Maddie and Joey, where it kind of spotlighted two one-on-one relationships that we don't always get to see and also doing them in an emotional sense, like Maddie being such a big supporter of Joey and I I really loved that side of it.
1: I think at that point we were starting to feel nostalgic for what we knew we were going to miss. Mm -hmm. And so you got to look back at the three seasons previous to that and you got to kind of figure out what haven't we done? And so we wanted to try to make sure that we did all of it. Um, And then I have to say, I just thought our final episode, it was the best episode of all. And I felt like we just, we explained a lot of things for our audience who was Mm -hmm. like, who we're talking to all the time. (laughs) Um, But we got to really further some characters and I just thought it was so emotionally satisfying and I'm so grateful you not every show knows that it's leaving before it's leaving and you end mm-hmm. up with a final episode that wasn't ever meant to be a final episode. Mm-hmm. And we were so fortunate that we knew that that was going to be it and man there are about a million easter eggs in there and yep. I just felt like the writers paid off everything and um god there's so much that I love and I love Shaq making all of this.
0: Yes.
1: His- <laughs> just Man, it was just, I want to go back now and watch that episode. I haven't watched it since it aired. And um, I need to binge, you know, as I was listening to your first, the first episode of your podcast, and you're talking so effortless effortlessly about the names of all of the episodes and what happens in them. And I remember all these things happening, but I couldn't necessarily tell you what episode they happened in. And I realized, oh, I just need to take some time and just binge from beginning to end because I've never done that before with the show, um, and that's definitely on my list of things I need to do.
0: Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't remember if I—I I may have mentioned this in my first episode, but I—I I also had been wanting to do a rewatch for a while. I. I've never done a full rewatch of a TV show and I've always told myself that I wanted to. And of course this was one of the top on my list. And my job now that the show is over is to get my friends that have not watched it to watch it. So I'm like, okay, I got this friend to watch it. Now, who have I not picked on? Who's my next victim? So I became really close friends with my friend Lee last year And they were into Disney Channel and stuff. And I met them because of a friend that I had gotten into the show about a year prior. So I kind of jokingly, I'm like, are you going to be my next victim? Am I going to reel you in? (laughs) So once I got the cats, uh, they said, uh, can I come hang out tonight? We can cuddle with the cats and watch Liv and Maddie. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So I, I said, if you want to binge watch it without me, you're welcome, but it ended up that we rewatched the entire series together. And that was such a cool experience for me. And if I didn't love the show already, I fell in love with it all over again and fell in love with Dove and, and the characters. And it was just such a cool experience to watch it as a full product now that I knew how it ended and all of that. And and speaking of which, I having gone to the live tapings, I, so I went to the voice a taping, so whenever Liv mentioned her throat hurting, I'm like, I know I can't say anything about it, but, um, so, the but actually, crumbs. yes, we were dropping
1: breadcrumbs along the way.
0: Yes, so my, one of my, my close friends, Janelle, um, when the episodes, it was like early 2016, actually around when we started going to the live tapings for season four, that the episodes started going up at midnight, the night before for on the Disney channel app. So we had midnight watch parties every week and it was so much fun. So we would like go to Disneyland, have a movie night. And then, cause we lived like 15 minutes from Disneyland. And then we would watch the episode of midnight. And that was, those were some of the happiest memories of my life. Like so much fun. And Can I tell you, it
1: was, I, it was so much fun for us. I will only speak for myself, but I think I probably speak for more than myself. I have been, in this business for a a long time. Um, And I have to say, I think that we, Andy and I first decided to, to, we really wanted to do Disney Channel when we were at Disney, making movies at Disney. But I, my son was little at that point. And I thought, man, pretty soon he's gonna start watching TV and it's all gonna be Disney Channel. And if I'm gonna have Disney Channel on in my living room 24 hours a day, I by God want a show on the Disney Channel. And so it became kind of this vision quest for us to have this show on Disney Channel. And it, it really became the most emotionally fulfilling professional experience for me And part of that was because we built this really lovely family on set. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was very important to us to have a happy, functional set because we were super aware of the fact that these kids and any other life would be at school and they weren't. They were missing that experience. So we needed to make sure that um, in their daytime hours, we were giving them a really happy, fulfilling experience. Yeah, um, But the other part of that was once we started airing, we, um, we became really super connected to our audience through social media, mostly Twitter, because we would do a lot of live um, viewings and we would live tweets during our, our episode viewings. Um, and we got to know so many people on social media that was part of our audience and you know sometimes they would inform what we would do in episodes sometimes they would give us ideas sometimes they would ask questions that might spur ideas um but one of the things that i discovered that i was not counting on at all was that when you do family programming when you create family content you have the ability to really influence at that age, a very impressionable audience. And you have the ability to influence the choices that they make, the choices that they don't make, how they see themselves, how they see other people. Um, And we had, for four seasons, we had an ongoing dialogue with our audience. And I will never forget on Oh, I'm blanking on the name of the episode, but it was the one we were nominated for a Humanitas award. It was, oh, it was Rayda Rooney. Yeah. Rayda Rooney. And of course, you know that. (laughs) Uh, But it was Rayda Rooney. And, you know, we created, we wanted to say something in that episode, but we never wanted to be heavy handed about it. But it was based on true stories that we had heard. And our audience, without, Telling us what they were going to do, they took to social media. They created their own hashtag, and they um, post pictures of themselves holding a sign. Mm. You know, rating themselves a ten, and you know, saying on their sign, you know, what their favorite quality is. I'm, um, I'm athletic. I'm smart. I'm loyal. I'm a great friend. Whatever that was, I think that was the moment when I really understood the full impact of what this show had been to our audience and the power that we had. And um, I'm just so grateful to have played a role in the lives of everybody who watched our show because I had my shows that I grew up on and I loved. And to know that you got to create something that was that to somebody else is um, it's it's it will forever be a highlight of my life always
0: well we are all grateful for you (laughs) well
1: it wasn't just me there were lots of other people grateful for everyone who play a part in
0: it yes um well i i interviewed ron for a paper for my film school so, a few so years crazy. ago <laughs> oh it was the worst um I, <laughs> I only have bad things to say about it i i think it's hilarious that ron is always the butt of jokes <laughs> on
1: set. Well, well listen um uh it's because we know that first of all he's usually the first guy who is uh, uh playing the joke on somebody else which is why he is the butt of so many jokes it is also because um, and it pains me to say this, it is also because he is so beloved.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we talked about, we talked about rate specifically as an mm-hmm. episode. And I remember telling him how, cause I remember he was saying like, I didn't know if it was the whole rating thing would like actually happen necessarily. And I remember seeing the first promo and being like, almost this exact thing happened at my high school. I was still in high school at the time. I. I was always one year ahead of Liv and Maddie when they were sophomores, I was juniors. So it was very, very mirroring in a way. Um, and what happened in my high school was a bracket, like a sports bracket of rating. Yeah, it was awful. And thankfully we had some wonderful professors. My, my senior year English teacher was the best. She was like 23 at the time. So she was very close to our age and related to us a lot. And she said like, All right, or maybe this wasn't her. I don't know but she was great too one i think it was an english teacher had us write a prompt that was like for our bell work or something for the beginning of the class like write something you appreciate about yourself and we thought that there was like this is going to tie into what we're learning and she said i just wanted to put some positive energy out there with what all is going on today for the record i wasn't even on the bracket so the people that weren't on the bracket also got hurt feelings so it was a whole thing so but when you know, I first saw that I promo. Think,
1: what I think, as much as there was a specificity to the issue there, what I think in a bigger picture um, that people took away from it, at least I hope that they did, is that you choose what you give power to. Right. And and that's a great life lesson. It's, it's a life lesson that every adult has to continue learning over and over again, I think. Um, but you choose what you give power to. And by the way, you can take that power away from somebody. Right. And I love that lesson. I love that lesson. And I'm so proud of that episode. I think Jenny Keane wrote that and I'm just so proud of that episode.
0: Yeah. I, I love how the message was that I think Liv said something like, We can't how change we can't change how people see us, but we can change how we see ourselves. So it wasn't and-
1: you will, every single human being on the planet will have to continue to learn that lesson over and over right. and over again. And that's, the, that's what I mean. Like, man, we got to be part of a show that first and foremost entertained, I hope, but also had some stuff to say along the way oh, yeah, out of that.
0: Well, uh, what was I just going to say? Um, Yeah, but I love that it wasn't unrealistic in the sense that it was going to kind of sugarcoat it and say, like, we're going to convince Todd Stetson that he's wrong and then he's going to admit he's wrong. Like, it doesn't matter what that other person says. All that matters is how you see yourself and Absolutely. Uh, now I'm thinking of Dump Truck in the finale being like, I just heard Todd sets and learn what a girl is <laughs> while rewatching bits and pieces. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I have to say Dump Truck is one of my favorite side characters. So when you're saying about him in the finale, that was, I loved that so much too. And
1: I love that the writers chose to give him that role in the finale as basically being the audience and learning mm-hmm. what the audience is learning. And um, Shaq is... Um, so wonderfully so good in that role. And I gotta go back and rewatch it.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, speaking of the rewatch, so I was talking about the the midnight watch parties. So those were again so much fun. And as it as it ended up, I was I went to New York City over every spring break with my mom. And I was in New York when the finale was going to air. So it was going to be 3 a.m. East Coast time. And I'm I'm a night owl, so that was really no big deal for me. It was a little bit Because I was busy and I knew I'd had to get up the next day. But when I heard that date announced, which ironically, the other show that has really impacted my life a ton, it's always Live and Maddie and Hannah Montana, which was Uh what I, in my formative like middle school years, like that was my middle school show.
1: And And now this is an iconic show.
0: Of course. So the Live and Maddie finale aired on the anniversary of when Hannah Montana premiered. So I'm like, this is like a sign. (laughs) <laughs> it's like full circle
1: what day was that
0: march 24th
1: is that like your lucky day now
0: it is it's it's i get sad and happy on that day because you know what else is ironic this is, shows what
1: you can, you can you can watch the first episode and the last episode right
0: right uh this is sort of off topic but it's, it's related you know what else is funny is that i one of the other big loves in my life and i talked about this in the first episode is the musical jersey boys and I fell in love with that around the time I fell in love with Liv and Maddie. So for the past like six years, like Live and Maddie, Jersey Boys are like my two personality traits and Jersey Boys closed on Broadway on Dove's birthday. <laughs> so Stop. January 15th is a weird day for me. <laughs> so I'll post like, happy birthday, Dove. I love you. Then I'll be like, my favorite show totally did not close on this day. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so anyway, so 3 a.m. And I told my mom, I'm like, can we please get like a suite? At the hotel in new york because i want the room to myself i'm gonna be emotional i and i said i'm probably gonna have to wake you up so i we saw a waitress on broadway that night and i left the theater crying because all i could think about was watching the finale in a few hours like she was like how do you like the show i'm like i don't care about the show i'm just thinking about oh, that <laughs> oh man so i was on that couch and I, yeah, I, I had to text my mom to wake her up because I physically could not get up off the couch because I was so emotionally drained, which just tells you guys you did a good job. <laughs> so I, and so you you mentioned that uh, you hadn't rewatched it since it aired and neither had I because I couldn't bring myself to. I, I'd i watched um, bits and pieces of it.
1: Ah, uh, it's <laughs> amazing how often you use that phrase
0: now that you- I know. And then my friends that get it will be like, wink, wink, wink. Uh, so, so like I said, I was rewatching it with my friend and I, I was telling them, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch the finale with you. But we had done virtual watch parties since the pandemic started. So uh, we had just been type chatting. So I'm like, okay, good. So you don't have to see me cry. So we rewatched it and I, I'm not really, uh, I don't cry much at TV shows and movies. I cry watching finales because I think of the bigger picture, like I'm saying goodbye to these characters, whatever. Um, and so I'm like, if I cried at the first time, even less likely I'm going to cry the second time. I totally did. (laughs) So I was like, when, when she starts singing better in stereo, that's when I'm just, I'm gone. Stop
1: it. No, it was. (laughs) was not a dry eye. We were all just, I mean, I can't believe Dove kept it together as much as she did. At the end, we all said something, like we all had like champagne basically, and we all said something and um, we were just bawling our eyes out. But the thing that I remember about shooting that episode um, from the very beginning we it was important to the EPs that um, it obviously we wanted to have a great show creatively but we wanted to make sure that by the time we were done with Liv and Maddie and we sent the kids back out into the world that we sent them out happy and functional and ready to take on any opportunities that came to them. We felt like their parents in that way. Even though they all had great parents, we felt like their parents. And that was a big thing for us. And as we were in production on that final episode, I remember Dove running up to me and taking me aside and saying, I just got hairspray live. And we both started bawling our eyes out she for the opportunity and she would she was gonna be Kristen Chenowis daughter and mm-hmm. uh, that was her idol and we came close Mom Rooney we really uh, wanted to get Cheno in that episode and she had a scheduling conflict so we couldn't but we had tried from time to time to get Cheno on the show and it never worked out so this for her was I get to work with my idol and for me it was. We did what we promised that we would do. We sent her out into the world with an incredible opportunity. And I knew that she was going to go from us straight into that. And it was, I mean, every single day of that show was so, so emotional. Um, but I was so proud that she got that in that last. Like, it just felt like Kismet, like oh, yeah. she was ending something, but she was beginning all of these great opportunities. Yeah. Um, and it was so, it was, it was, it was just lovely knowing that she was going on to something else. Like you mm-hmm. hate seeing your child sent out to the world, but you know that
0: there are great opportunities waiting for them. Yeah. And um, that was so lovely. Yeah, I I remember when it was announced that she was going to be in Hairspray Live. I was actually. Uh, with, with friends, all of which who were fans of hers, and we were all just not having a great day, and then we were looking at our phone, and we we're like, guess what, guys? And that just, <laughs> that made our day so much better, and then we had a watch party for it, it premiered a couple days before my birthday, that was
1: funny.
0: But it's funny, it's funny how I often joke, like, Kristen Chenoweth is, like, legally the only person allowed to play Dove's mom now, so when my friends and I went to see Dove and Mama Mia at the Hollywood Bowl, and Jennifer Nettles is playing her mom, and we're like, Kristen Chenoweth is somewhere right now really angry.
1: <laughs> Jennifer Nettles was great. I saw that too. And um that was a, that was a great. Again, it was just like showing up for these moments that she's had that we were kind of her springboard for Oh yeah. And I I saw a couple of months ago I went to see her um at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion of mm-hmm. the Piazza with Renee Fleming and if you haven't been in the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion I was
0: there opening night for the show
1: were you? Yeah. It, is, it is massive. It, mm-hmm. It's 3,000 people. And so I don't have to tell you that No, not only did she hold her own against the powerhouse that is Renee Fleming, but you just, she owned that stage. Oh, yeah. You could have heard a pin drop. She had so much control and power And it's such a hard thing to do at such a young age. And so just to show up at all of these different moments, these different opportunities that she's had and to see her shine and grow and evolve the way she has, um, has just been really special.
0: Yeah. And as a fan, I, I feel that so much as well. And with Mama Mia, that, I, that was my first Broadway show that I ever saw. And I'd seen it four times. So when I heard that she was going to be in it, it was like two of my loves combined. And that was, that was just a couple months after Live and Maddie ended and Descendants 2 had just come out. So that was kind of like the finale to this exciting couple years of my life. And I got to see her at the stage door and gave her flowers and she and I were both emotional and and yeah. Uh, And I think I mentioned Clueless in my first episode because my mom and I had this agreement. I said, okay, we know she's going to make it to Broadway. I don't want to travel by myself. Can we agree that you will come with me to New York whenever she makes it to Broadway? And this one morning she posts like, packing up my life, go to New York. I'm like, mom, I think it's happening. And I'm in the middle of class trying to text her. I'm like, she just got cast. We have a month and a half. Can we go to New York? Uh, and we did, and we were there for the first preview, and I was oh, crying, leaving, and it was, it was so much, uh, and then it was around that time that they announced her being in Light the Piazza in London,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm like, hey on, we've never been to Europe, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, listen, if you say no, I, I don't want to sound like crazy, like New York, I really, really want it, but I'm like, if you say no, I totally understand, but I'm like, I'm graduating college, this could be our college trip, we can make a trip out of it, she's like, have like my mom my mom is uh loves Liv and Maddie loves Dove is like all in for all of this so He's she's like yeah let's do it cool. my mom is she's awesome uh and uh so we we went to London to see it and we were there opening night and it was right around that time we found out I was coming to LA and I'm like I'll see it again then <laughs> so I'm four for four of her opening nights and I, I uh, be that.
1: you really are a super fan
0: well thank you uh well talking talking about the finale yeah i watching it i was like i don't think i'm gonna cry i'm i'm i I can hold it together and then i was just like hyperventilating and i'm texting my friends i'm like i'm good i'm just a little numb and i'm like never mind i'm crying (laughs) and then all three of us got emotional and then they were saying like Um, my friend who had just watched the show for the first time was like I'm so happy that I got to experience this with you because I know this is such a special part of your life and then my friend who had already seen it who I I forgot to mention that uh, my friend all three of us were watching together one friend who I who had gotten into it like a year prior and she's like Liv and Maddie has been one of my favorite parts of our friendship and when we met she didn't even know who Dove was like I was just Mm -hmm. so proud to have gotten to share that love and that's something that I hope the podcast will help do is that uh for people who haven't watched the show or want to revisit it that hopefully we can kindle that love so talking about the finale we're three and a half years after the show has ended where do you see the Roonies and Friends today and that doesn't have to be today as in a pandemic but if you want to factor that in you can oh no
1: I don't want to bring a pandemic into our magical world
0: (laughs) I do I do assume that Parker would be working on a cure
1: um yeah I mean Parker could be up in space yeah working on a cure Mm -hmm. mm-hmm I you know it's a good question I don't know I feel like Ron and John probably have very specific answers to this Um, I when I think of the show and the family I really just think about the love and the togetherness so even if they are, you know, at far-flung parts of the world, if Maddie is doing her tiny houses and Liv has gone back to Hollywood to do a show, uh, and uh, who knows, maybe Joey is a stand-up comedian and Parker has been to space. Um, I hope that they are getting together as frequently as they can, uh, uh, because they, um, they're, you know.
0: I just always think of them as a family. Yeah. I always like to imagine, because I know right at the end, Liv booked her Broadway role, but everyone was was going wherever they were going. But I always like to imagine that they all showed up for opening night, no matter where they had been.
1: They absolutely all showed up for opening night. Um, you know, this was a family that really showed up for one another. Yeah. Uh, and I loved that our pilot was, Live, having left with the family, coming back and trying to find her way back into a world that didn't stop after she left. Um, everybody's lives still went on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She was the person who left and, um, I, you know, and, and she, you know, obviously she found her way back into it. Um, but they just, I, you know, I, I think. I think it's because what you see on screen really is what was off screen too. Yeah, I mean, it really was a family. I was going through pictures the other day and I have a lot of pictures of audience tapings, but most of them are just all of them sitting together and watching audience night together. And it was just, it's all of the stuff that you never saw on screen of them as a family and um I, I hope that no matter where each of us end up in this world and and no matter how much time passes that um that that will remain
0: i'm sure it will and i know that dove and john i believe uh and i choose to believe this as well believe that Liv and holden have gotten back together since meeting oh. up in new york
1: oh listen uh <laughs> i'm all about that i um oh, yeah. I took the, um, there was a shirt, oh, it was the one that Bonnie wore and the Mm -hmm. wardrobe department made me my own shirt um, that was Lolan and it's a heart with Dove and Jordan. And um, when we did, we watched our, Disney threw us a, a, a kind of a cast and creatives party and we all watched our final episode together and I wore my Lolden t-shirt and I am the um, self-professed president of the (laughs) Lolden fan club. But yes, and I really fought like, there are so many moments when I'm sure Ron and John just wanted me to go away. (laughs) And probably one of them was in my insistence that Jordan be in our final episode and that we at least hint at the fact that Lolden will be a thing uh that was super important to me
0: i i have to agree i i would i would be the vice president maybe of that club
1: i, I would have, <laughs> have you as the vice president thank you and I'll get you an appropriate shirt for
0: it awesome add to um, my collection <laughs> i have the jilla uh, shirt because Don posted uh, that design well please (laughs) don't get me
1: started i would be so thrilled for jillow to continue to be a thing because what a great evolution of a relationship that was um and i have to say as the writer of choose a rooney uh i'm i'm team wash i am too are you i am yeah
0: it's taken um re-watching the show and, and a lot of and and I, I feel like not just that but a lot of my feelings have adjusted and, and stuff like that but josh josh and dump truck are really my two favorite recurring characters josh is just such a sweetie pie and yeah i i love his dynamic with maddie
1: it was so much fun watching watching uh, Lucas and Shelby get together. Oh, right, yeah. Behind the scenes. <laughs> and they remain together. Like That's what yeah. I say. Like, Liv and Maddie will never die because there's so many relationships that have come, you know, Joey and Audrey. Like, there's so many things that have happened because of the show. But um, we they, he and Dove had this really sweet thing happening on camera and on set. And then behind the scenes, we were watching he and Shelby Mm -hmm. like kind of starting to fall for one another. And it was, it was just so adorable.
0: So we can just act like, I mean, Mosh kind of happened in real life. So (laughs) that's satisfying in that sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I actually think team Mosh won that vote. My
0: friends and I were just talking about that. So I, like I said, I had my midnight watch parties so i i didn't watch the live episode but i had already watched it the night before and i remember um, my friend janelle and i who i mentioned um we and i mentioned her because i was trying to remember why because she came with me to all, pretty much all the season four taping. So that's why when we watched the episodes together and Liv mentioned her throat hurting, we could talk about it together. We just couldn't tell anyone else. Uh, so when, when the episode ended, we were really sad about mosh, but I think we, cause like I said, we did movie nights. I think we had paused our movie to watch the episode and we were both cut. Kind of, and I think that happened with scoop too, a few weeks before. And we were all raw about the Lolden breakup. And then we're like, well, time to finish watching Cars or whatever we were watching, and we were just sitting there like emotional. Um,
1: Very upset about the breakup of Lolden. I was very upset about
0: that. My my mom was here a few weeks ago. We just had kind of had Liv and Maddie on on Netflix uh, in the kitchen downstairs, and it's funny, so I I was kind of doing two simultaneous rewatches with my mom (laughs) and with my friends, and we were at like different seasons, so uh so my mom would just like leave the episodes playing and I came downstairs and I didn't really I knew she was in season three somewhere and she's like the live and hold and breakup was so sad (laughs) so I knew exactly what she was talking about she's like I thought when he was on the porch they were gonna get back together it just I thought it was funny I didn't even know she was watching it and then I walk right into that so tell me what happens don't tell me
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that entire week I fought it and fought it and fought it and even though I knew it was a losing battle I just um I just did not want that to happen. And that's why it was so important to me that he came back at the end because I was like, even if you guys are not going to give me Lolden, I at least want the hint of Lolden. I want the audience to leave with hope that these two people are going to be in the same city as one another and they're going to get back together. So in my head, absolutely. I mean, I think you asked your question, I think in terms of what they're doing, but, Yes, very much, Lolden is a thing in my head, and as, as, you know what, all of the ships are. Lolden and Mosh and Jillo and Pal, all of them are still happening right now.
0: That's what we love to hear, and I mean, (laughs) the most important, of course, is Johnny and Gemma, who got married, so.
1: (laughs) yes yeah that was yes chloe was and and yeah kurt was just on our um zoom and when andy my partner who was an ep andy directed a movie last year with john cena called playing with fire and once we knew he was going to be in vancouver i texted him and i was like dude you know who just moved to vancouver he said, who? And I said, Kurt, you have to put Kurt in the movie. You have to figure out how to put Kurt in the movie. And when you watch Playing With Fire, the first face you see is Kurt. And then they needed, um, uh, they were reworking some things in post and they needed to change up a little bit of a storyline. So they needed to have a reporter with Dennis Haysbert interviewing him and um, just in a pinch. Andy called Shelby and said, come and Aww. do this. And so in Playing With Fire, there are a couple of really sweet Liv and Maddie Easter eggs in yeah. there.
0: Yeah, Well, I've been needing to watch that, but now I have all the more reason to. No, you have to. Yes, oh, absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just, Johnny and Gemma are just hysterical. And
1: I love them together, I love them together.
0: <laughs> Uh, and, and speaking of, of Mosh, so yeah, I was just talking with my friends and they all remembered the live play. And again, I didn't, I don't think I watched it live, but I remember seeing the screenshot showing up on social media and my friends were all team Mosh and they will be happy to know that you are as well. And I remember talking to Lucas after a taping one time, and it was like about a month after that episode had aired. And he very emphatically was like, America voted for Mosh. I was texting Ron and I told him you guys messed up. (laughs) Oh, oh. Uh, yes,
1: I think that is true. I believe that America did vote for Mosh. <laughs> and I remember being kind of surprised about that because we started her out with somebody else and um, I wasn't sure how the audience was gonna feel changing things up midstream. But I think the writers did such a beautiful job of introducing the character of Josh and, and they were just so well suited to one another.
0: Yeah. And I was just happy that they ended on such a civil note. And then they were such good friends when they met up in season four. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a great note to end Did on.
1: Lost all of your questions. Oh, one, here's one thing I will say because I have it in front of me and it just reminded me, um, this is where the name Rooney comes from.
0: Yes. I actually knew that <laughs> Dan Rooney, right?
1: Cause you know more than I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, so in bits and pieces, we have, you know, one of the things that you have to do is you have to come up with the names of the family and then you have to clear all of those names. It's a whole legal process. And so for, for bits and pieces, um, so I'm a Steeler fan, John Beck is a big Browns fan and our two teams have a big rivalry with one another. So Ron and John came to me and said, uh, hey we need to come up with two names and we were throwing out various last names and then beck said wouldn't it be funny if we did the browns and the Rooneys? and so bits and pieces it's the Rooneys and the browns okay and so when it came time to take those two families and turn them into one family (laughs) um brown was you know brown is just a hard name because it's hard to clear that legally Mm -hmm. um but rooney is just kind of a fun name right? It's a fun name and so the Rooneys own the Steelers and if you know Rooney Mara and if you know Kate Mara that is their family and that's where Rooney Mara's name comes from because okay. her name was Rooney I
0: think I might have heard
1: that. So, so we named them the Rooney's and um and so that will always be my little thing we said it in Steve we knew it was going to be Wisconsin and then we set it in Stevens Point because andy's mom is from stevens point wisconsin so oops donuts has the name of the family and the city that they lived in and that's like our little thing
0: i think i remember seeing john post one time that someone asked why is it said in stevens point he said andy's parents met there or something
1: Yeah, they uh they they might have met there. I, I know that his mom was from there, but yes, um, that is where that came from. And so, you know, it's that's why there's so many, there are like a million tiny little references. All the names that we came up with. I remember in um, choose uh, no uh, yeah, choose a Rooney. Um I mentioned the I wrote the family in called the Poundstones. And all the writers were like Poundstone that doesn't sound like a real name but the Poundstones are the names of all of my cousins. Oh. So we all use names Ridgefield has a Ron thing with his mom's school like there are a million things that we can look at in in the course of five four episodes uh, four seasons and Every, every choice has a reason behind it. And mm-hmm. so there are so many things that are so personal to all of us. Um, yeah. And so many little ways that all of our lives are woven into the fabric of this series. And that just makes it all the more special, I'm sure, for everybody who's part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember talking about that with Ron too, because I have a whole episode of the podcast planned about Easter eggs in the show. And so just so many names of the crew yeah show up. And when you've watched the show for long enough and you see the names in the credits, you're like, wait a minute, that name rings a bell. And I remember, I think it was like a week or so before I interviewed Ron. And I mentioned this to him, I was watching Switcheroonie and Liv has the mailbox and she's like, He'd like he might want to return this to the Hoovers. I'm like, wait a minute, that's one of the writers. Uh, that's and...
1: Superman. Yep. My, all of our kids were in it. My son was in it twice.
0: What am um, I
1: My husband was in it twice. Um, My husband was the clogger on New Year's Eve. Okay. And then my husband and son were um, customers at the frozen yogurt spot, at the frozen yogurt um, place where Maddie and Diggy were working. Mm -hmm. And then all of our kids were trick-or-treaters. My son at the time, I had just produced a movie for Paramount called... The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse about Boy Scouts versus the zombies, and so our war, our amazing uh, costume designer Elizabeth Martucci Tuch, um, put my son in a Boy Scout uniform, so he's a scout, and so I have all of this. For me, it was all this cross promotion between my yeah. movie and my TV show. Um, but all of our kids, I think, were in it, and. And Bonnie played, yes, and Bonnie played Betsy, which was funny because Dove always called me the other mother. And mm-hmm. so her real mother played her other mother. Perfect. And so there are just like a million things like that. Someday we all just have to get together and binge watch it together and um, have fun with all of those little, there are a million little Easter eggs. I love that you're doing that. And I love that you're doing an episode on the finales. Yep. Um. And my son loves Gravity Falls, so we can't wait to hear the similarities to Gravity Falls. Um, so I, you, I, I love all of your ideas for the podcast and I love thank that you you're so doing much. the podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you. I I mean, obviously I've, I've spoke plenty on how much how much I adore the show. And honestly, for the past few years, I'm like, what do I do with my life now that the show is gone? And I really started I, I started actively re-watching with my friend like I said but before that uh, it started airing late night again and I set an alarm for 1am every night to watch it and it just reinvigorated that love like it never gone anywhere but I hadn't rewatched it that much since then and it's like I'd kind of just felt out of touch for myself for myself for a couple years once the show had ended because it was just such a I talked about this in the first episode, how like I really found myself in the show. And then I rewatched it. And I'm like, I think I left myself there. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I still see myself in the show. I need to keep it alive in my life one way or another. And even if it's been gone for such a long time and and this to do this podcast, I, I thought was the perfect way to do it and to get to connect with people like you, people that Especially people that I never got to meet when the, when the show was going on, and I, I'm looking forward to hopefully reconnecting with people that I have met, but even more so with people I never got to meet. So I'm I'm so fortunate for that. Uh, I think
1: it's fun, you know. A lot of people um, I meet people all the time. I just literally had somebody, an old 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 friend of my sister's, um, said, you know. Uh, my grandchild has just discovered uh, and she just finished the entire series. So I sent her an autographed picture, but, you know, it's out there now on Netflix and I'm sure at some point it would be Disney plus and um, people are just now discovering the show. Yeah. And so- For them who you know they weren't part of the original airing of it i'm sure it will be fun for them to find your podcast and to hear all of this stuff and kind of get to um hear some of the behind the scenes stuff that uh people knew when we were on because we were on social media so much um and our kids were doing interviews everywhere but for those people who have discovered it since they're gonna love your podcast
0: well, thank you. That is that is my hope. And now I'm thinking of other Easter eggs. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't spill too many because I should save them. But like, if I'm remembering, um, Joey's boss at the Happy Carrot, he was named after your husband, right? Yeah, Chambers. He was. I and you know what's so funny is I'm looking up at some more posters on my wall, and I have this collage of, of Dove pictures, and I have a snippet from a a, a picture of Liv and Maddie where they called a character by the wrong name so it was a picture of her with uh kylie the bad girl kylie kramer in that one episode Mm -hmm. but they called her chambers by accident because he was i think he was in that same episode
1: (laughs) oh my gosh that's
0: (laughs) i think (laughs) i think about that a lot
1: they were going to i remember the writers pulled me in when they were creating the character of holden they pulled me in and said hey my son's name is twain who is named after mark twain And it's kind of an odd name, but it's my husband's favorite writer. And um, the writers pulled me in and said, hey, would you be cool if we name Liv's new love interest Twain?
0: I think Ron told me about that.
1: And I said, yeah, sure. That would be totally cool. And then they, so they, you know, sent the beat sheet to Disney and Disney's like, nobody is named Twain. (laughs) So they ixnate it. And simultaneously, I had told my son, who at the time was maybe like in first grade, I said, hey, I think they're gonna name a character after you in live and Maddie. And he was like, no, 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 no. I don't want any characters named after me. I do not approve of that. <laughs> and um, so it was actually probably good that, that Disney was like, uh, that's not a real name. And I'm like, no, it is a real name because <laughs> named my son after somebody who had been named that, um, which was very funny. But so Lolden was going to be Twain until Disney said, we need an actual name.
0: So would that be Twiv, I guess, or Lane? Twiv, and
1: (laughs) honestly, Lolden is not great. Like we had to (laughs) to figure out, how are we gonna ship these people? Because otherwise it was gonna be Hiv. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that like no version of that really worked
0: no and uh i hear some people call it lived in but i think Lolden oh. is more common
1: yeah yeah i never liked lived in because that's an actual phrase
0: right i just like that- to say that the community of people who ships mosh can be called the mosh pit <laughs> yes <totally.
1: laughs> i love it i'm in
0: I, I meant I've been meaning to make like a meme for years of like someone like running into a pit and it's just a picture of Maddie and Josh together and it's like the mosh pit. Haha. Ha. <laughs> uh, and like, um, I think I'm thinking back on Easter eggs, I think in Meatballs, Meatballs Rooney, when the Maddie and Will are hosting the Camp Porcupine, they are two girls that are named after Ron's daughters. Yep. yep. And then Ron. Ron makes his way in there a couple times as Liv's body double and the math teacher.
1: I ca- I still can't believe he, well, Ron and John made it in both, they both made it into that episode and Ron was just so brave and so <laughs> ridiculous. And I think we all had pictures of Ron and his green screen suit uh, <laughs> somewhere on all of our office walls at production. Um, and him in that ridiculous wig. Um, and <laughs> the funny thing was Beck was playing the uh Beck was I forget who he was playing because it wasn't the director because Gary Marshall was the director but Beck, Beck was playing like a PA or somebody on the Space Werewolf set and Andy my partner was directing that episode and we got Gary Marshall because Gary was Andy's mentor and um so Andy but Andy he has a uniform basically that he always wears as a director and it's Bermuda shorts and a t-shirt with a, an oxford shirt over it and a hat and that's what andy always wears so we did not tell him but we went to wardrobe and we said you need to come up with something that looks like andy and so beck shows up on set for that character dressed exactly like andy. <laughs> and andy is almost, it's impossible to put, pull anything over on Andy. I, he and I have worked together for many, many years and only once have I ever seen him this shocked. And (laughs) when Beck showed up on set dressed as Andy and the crazy thing was that what wardrobe had put him in was almost exactly what andy had it was a pink oxford which how many times do guys wear pink oxford (laughs) and plaid bermuda shorts they were the spitting image of one another to the point where somebody took a picture of dove was up she was on wires as the character in space werewolves and Beck was standing below her dressed as Andy. And it was this super cute shot of them. And Andy and I shared an office, because we're partners, so we shared an office. And, and um, behind Andy's desk was this picture of, um, of Beck and Dove, and Dove is floating on her wires. And Beck is dressed as Andy. And it had been, that picture had been on the wall for months and somebody came into our office and, and said something about, Oh, I love that picture. And Andy said, you know what? That's actually my favorite picture of me and Doug. (laughs) And I started laughing and he looked at me. He was like, what? And I said, dude, that's not you. (laughs) It's like, of course it is. What are you talking about? And And I said, that's Beck dressed as you and then he got really close to it and he was like oh my god all this time that was i have that picture up on the wall because that's my favorite picture of me and duff together and it's not even me um, so that yes now you when you go back and you see that picture you will see beck dressed as the pa who's working on the set and he was dressed as Andy.
0: Oh my gosh, well talk about your identical twins.
1: <laughs> I know, it's, it's so Ironic. true. There are a million stories like that. I can't um, wait to listen to that episode.
0: Yes, well, uh, any any parting words for us?
1: Um, just that I love that you're doing this and I love that people are continuing to find this show. And um, again, I feel like Liv and Maddie will never die because there just remains all this love for it and it makes me so happy and i'm so grateful that i got to play a role in all of that and i'm grateful for all of the fans i know that we all are but man it's one thing to be a fan with a show that is still up and running and still has this energy out there it's another thing to continue to love a show that isn't still up and running uh that you have to find your way into and so Um just so appreciative of all of those people and appreciative of you for doing this.
0: Well, thank you so much. And we what was that?
1: And and keeping it alive. Like you're keeping the show alive by doing this. And I and I just love that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And thank you so much for having having spent time on the show with us. We were so, so grateful for it. I'm
1: happy to do it and I can't wait to listen to your upcoming episodes.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
1: All right, take care, and um, bam
0: what? Bam what? Yes. <laughs> we are so, so happy that Betsy could join us for this episode. What, as I already said, what an amazing guest to have, especially for her to be our first guest. Like, I I can't believe how, how fortunate we are. So big, big thanks to her. We are so happy to have had her with us, and we hope you enjoyed our interview with her. We hope you learned some new things. About the origins of the show, I know I did. It's, I, I always I always kid myself that I know everything about Liv and Maddie, but I still have more to learn, and I'm 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 always so excited when I when I learn new things. So that's I mean that's a lot of our goal with this podcast, and I, I hope to continue to learn more new things, and I hope that you guys, as my audience, will get to learn some more too, and of course some fun, just some fun behind the scenes stories and tidbits. So join us back here in two weeks as usual. Every other Saturday, so two weeks from today, or maybe you're not listening to this the day it gets posted, but you know what I mean. The day that this is posted. And our next episode, we're having another guest, and this guest is my good, good friend, Janelle Cordova, who I have already mentioned in this episode, actually. I've mentioned her a few times, and she... Kalee Rocha herself referred to her as my partner in crime. (laughs) She joined me for most of the live tapings that I went to. And she and I are going to have a walk down memory lane and tell you guys all about our experiences at live tapings. I've been to five and she came with me to three of them. It feels like a lot more than that. But my first one I went to before we really knew each other. And then there was one that she had to miss because she had a, a final and that was when Khali was like, where's your partner in crime? We'll talk about this all next time, but I'm so excited to share with you guys these behind the scenes stories because getting to go to these live tapings was such a cool experience for me as a fan and for me as just a person passionate about TV and film to get to see these things going on behind the scenes. My first Live in Maddie taping was my first ever live taping of anything. I would later go to tapings of a number of other shows, but that was my very first and of course remains my favorite. So. I'm really excited to share those those stories with you guys. Like today, lo- lots of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, but also just a lot of fun and funny stories from just watching the cast goof off, meeting the cast afterwards, and, of course, our traditional Denny's dinner afterwards. You'll hear all about it. So join us back here in two weeks. Listen wherever you want to listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, of course, thank you to Anchor for helping us out with this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. We are retrospective Aruni on Instagram and we have a new Facebook page. Just search up retrospective Aruni live and Maddie podcast and you will find it. And those will be your best resources to keep up with this podcast. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.